Hi, region. My name is Sarah. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from control, pride, and shame. Growing up with older brothers, I loved competing with them, pushing myself to keep up with them, improve my abilities. All of us siblings were raised with a self-motivation for excellence, whether it was in sports, academics, work, or overall morality. My parents were great. They took us to church on Sundays, and they taught us to live by good Christian standards, protected and provided for us, and gave us ample opportunity to be in any position we wanted to be. And I'm so thankful for that. But I was very stubborn. I never let myself be limited by weakness and never asked for help. This feeling of being indestructible, independent, and self-sufficient carried me through high school, where I found myself performing well to maintain status. I wanted to control my relationships and situations, my image, and my future. I often found myself mixing into every crowd at school, church, and with friends. I was like a chameleon, playing a different part to fit the scene, but not really feeling fully known anywhere. While keeping a reputable character in front of teachers, coaches, and at church, I started partying and drinking on the weekends. For a while, I really thought I had it all going on, and I believed that I could have God and the world too. But it all inevitably became too much. I was overworked and overwhelmed by pushing myself beyond my natural limits. I experienced my first panic attack at age 16 and realized I was anxious over things that felt out of my control. When I told my mom about my anxiety, she asked me if I wanted to go see someone or if I wanted to talk to a counselor or take some things off my plate. I said, no, thank you, and kept persisting despite my limitations. I continued to strive to do it all by myself and in my own sufficiency. At age 18, after a night of drinking, I was raped at a party by a boy from school. I convinced myself that it was my fault for putting myself in that situation by drinking and that I had asked for it. I thought that because of my poor choices, something was taken from me, and it was more than my purity, but it was my safety, protection, and innocence. I felt so much shame and told no one. Entering college, I spiraled into heavier drinking, promiscuity with guys, and approval-seeking to hide my shame. I would binge drink, hook up with guys, and wake up with regret. I knew better than to be living in these habits, so I would try to fix my behavior and change my circumstances by myself. But with no help or accountability, behavior modification didn't stick for very long. My first year of college was just cycles of sin, shame, and short-lived sobriety. At the end of my freshman year, I closely witnessed an attack that injured three and killed a student on campus. Despite the trauma that naturally followed, I refused help from my friends, the university, and my own family. In isolation, I fought depression, trauma, and guilt. I had privately wished that I could have done more to save that boy's life. And I grew angry at God and wondered if he truly was good, if he was really for me, or if he was able to protect me from an evil world. I started to wrestle with these doubts and wondered if my doubts were too great to continue to claim to be a Christian. Despite my doubt, it was in that moment that I realized I had a choice to make. I could keep trying to navigate a broken and evil world on my own or choose to trust that God is all who he says he is and that he is in control. In complete brokenness, exhaustion, and desperation, I decided to surrender. It took walking through the darkest valley on my own to realize that I was never meant to do it by myself or without the hope of the Lord and his strength to endure. Although I had surrendered my life to Christ when I was 19, the effects of my sin and the sins of others continued to manifest. In 2020, after being plugged in at Watermark, I came to Regen seeking recovery from this post-traumatic stress and anxiety. However, in sitting in first-time guests and groundwork, as I began confessing each week, I quickly realized that there was a disconnect in what I knew to be true about God and what I actually believed about Him. 
After all, it is what we believe about God that controls the way we think, feel, and act. My actions and views were not lining up with what I had been proclaiming to believe about God. In steps one, two, and three, I declared that I really am powerless in my own ability to fix, control, or manage my sin, but also that God is worthy to be trusted, that he's a promise keeper, healer, and redeemer. God used inventory, step four, to show me just how broken I really am. I saw patterns in my sin that uncovered deeper core issues. I found that a desire for control and deep-rooted shame drive a lot of my sin. My self-protection and self-sufficiency were a means to prevent hurt and hide my shame. My pride made me think that I could protect myself because I didn't trust God to. I was accepting parts of his character, but not all. And likewise, I could accept forgiveness for some things, but not others. I didn't truly believe that Jesus died for all of my sin. But as I confessed all of the worst and never been told secrets of my life, including anger, unforgiveness, sexual sin, selfishness, my community received me with so much grace. I felt totally heard, understood, cared for, accepted, and forgiven. God, in his kindness, used confession and response of those women to remind me of his abundant grace. He knows all my sin, past, present, and future, and chose me anyways. I had to accept that his forgiveness could not be earned, that my sin has already been paid for, and my debts were completely settled. And it is a free gift that I do not deserve, cannot repay, but I'm entirely grateful for. In light of the gospel that I have received through Christ, I was able to forgive those who had hurt me, abused me, and sinned against me in step seven and eight. And I own my own sin in step nine. In step 11, intimacy, God continued to restore my view of him. I began to see God as a friend, an advocate, and an ever-present help, that he is a kind and gentle father who delights when his children come to him. In step 12, I remember that we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to continue to put on righteousness through sanctification and to share our stories with others. It blows my mind that God really could not be any closer to us than he is now. His very spirit is inside of us, with us in every moment to the end of the age. In continuing the 12 steps now, I am able to recognize when control, pride, or shame are leading me to sin. I no longer hold on to resentment and unforgiveness, but I'm quick to seek understanding and ask for forgiveness. I'm challenged to pray big and live boldly, knowing that God listens, cares, and is powerful enough to do far more abundantly than I could ever do or even ask. Since Regen, by the help of the Holy Spirit, through community, and studying God's word, it has been so fun to continue to learn about, about God's character and know more of his heart. Exodus 34, 6, God calls himself Yahweh, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is the good shepherd, gentle and lowly in heart and desirous of our dependence. In light of, God who it, of who God is, I'm humbled that in my utter brokenness and depravity, I get to approach a holy throne in confidence because, because he calls me righteous. I now have the privilege to serve on staff with the Regen team. So if you're here for the first time, welcome. Know that I am personally so encouraged by your bravery in asking for help. God is not disappointed in you, angry or annoyed. Hebrews 12.2 says that it was for Jesus' joy that he endured the cross. It gives Jesus joy to save, to help, and to heal us. Do you believe it? That Jesus wants to and is delighted to help you. Asking for help is something that's really hard for me because in my pride and stubbornness, I don't want to admit weakness. But like 2 Corinthians 12 says, in realizing that I'm not perfect, I can trust that his grace is sufficient for me and his power is made perfect in my weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. When I am weak, then I am strong, all because I'm dependent on a powerful God who cares for me and joyfully redeems. My name is Sarah, I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from control, pride, and shame. And to God be all the glory.